Blog Talk Radio. and I probably will, Um, you have been forewarned. Also, special warning with today's show. We are going to be talking about some sensitive topics, so I am issuing this trigger warning. Um, There's going to be topics of abuse, um, and I just want everyone to know about that. We will probably talk about drug addiction as well and some other things that some folks might find upsetting. You've been warned up front. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly, utterly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. I am so blessed today to have this guest the author of How Witchcraft Saved My Life, Practical Advice for Transformative Magic, author, writer, amazing person, and inspirational story, Vincent Higginbotham joins me for the hour. Hey, Vinny. Hi. How's it going? It's going. It's going really well. I. So, okay, I heard about this book, and... I read it, and it broke my heart, but as I was saying to you earlier, it is so rare to find a book about the transformative nature of magic. Um, Having been uh, raised as pagan and then having my mother switch over to um, born-again Christianity, (laughs) which was weird for me, um, I did identify with a lot of the stuff in this book and, and a lot of feelings that you had expressed. Tell the folks some about your, some, some stuff about yourself so they will understand what we're talking about. Because you've been through a lot. You, you wrote this book, I guess. It must have been cathartic, but it must have been also out of a love um, for your fellow pagans to understand they're not alone and there's a way out. Um, so please tell everybody a bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, oh God, I mean, that's so tough these days. All right. So, I mean, I was just a kid at one point who was struggling through life with, you know, maybe atypical traumas, but really in hindsight, they're probably not that atypical. And then I went into, you know, um, my teenage years and struggled with identity, both sexual and religious. And then Uh went into, you know, young adulthood, and I was homeless for a decade. 
and um, suicidal and depressed and, you know, spent my youth using different drugs and just experimenting all over the board. And then at some point I got my head on and went to college and um, as a high school dropout. Yeah. And um, after college, I, um, I had a disease. I found out I had a disease and had to deal with that. And then through all of it and through moving back down to the South, I um, really found myself and started applying all these lessons that I learned through life to my life and literally healed myself, Um, not just through, like, mundane actions, but through the act of magic as well. And so that's what this book is about, and it's really written to help people kind of access that but also know that they're not alone in their struggle. Exactly. And that is, but you know, I've, I've not seen a book like this where you go, you go super duper deep. I mean, you go into from molestation as a very young child and you literally bring the reader with you through all of the things you've been through. And, you know, a lot of us, as we're trying to discover ourselves or figure ourselves out, have a period where we're suicidal and we're not sure if the things we're seeing and hearing are real. I mean, the, the whole thing about the demon, uh, the devil, when you were little, I mean, folks, yeah. the book is amazing. Um, and, you know, it's like a lot of us hear voices, a lot of us hear different things. And it's, it's a process to realize you're not crazy. But at some point, I think all of us fall victim to that no one talks about it. It's, you know, we don't tell people certain things because we quote unquote don't want them to think we're crazy, you know, right. but you're right. I right. think a lot of, a lot of the situations that you bring up are so much more common than we normally talk about. And I think the abuse, I mean, because you suffered abuses at the hands of people who were supposed to be taking care of you. Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely, I opened the book up with one of the more traumatizing experiences of my life, and it's literally, like, in the introduction, and I, I, yeah, I struggled with, with doing that at, at first, like, that wasn't, in the original um, draft that I turned in, that wasn't part of it at first, and then I was like, no, this is about letting everyone know, like, all of the truth, right? and to live my truth very clearly. Yeah. And I wanted to have this, to, I wanted this to be partially memoir, right? Because I haven't seen yeah. that in a witch book that teaches you anything, that where it's like not just right. anecdotes, but literal memoir aspects of it. And I think that I always just kind of wanted to be a memoirist anyway. And so it really just led to this really organic flow where I followed this kind of, mm, I guess, formula that I created um, about talking about my trauma and then talking about how what I know now could have helped me then. And then going into the lesson and diving deep into this lesson in witchcraft, right? And so um, it was really imperative to talk about these traumas. And the thing is, is that like my whole life, I've always said that the traumas that I've experienced 
were the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because while they sucked and they were hard to deal with, I can look at my life and I see all this beauty in all of my pain. And because mm-hmm. I can see that beauty in the pain, it's so much easier to, I guess, access the truth and the magic that's inside of me. You know what I mean? Because I can, I can harness Absolutely. that pain and be like, all right, I can use this yeah. right now. And so maybe like somebody's been mean to my child and I'm like, no, you're not going to be mean to my child. And I can harness that anger that I had as a child experiencing horrible things where someone is beating me up, who's supposed to take care of me or somebody's supposed to be protecting me and I'm telling them the truth and they're telling me I'm lying or somebody is sexually abusing me and I can harness that anger and use it in my magic. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I just, it's it's brilliant. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You speak. No, no, go (laughs) ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'll tangent okay. if you let me so just what, speak. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, and tangenting is completely welcome and fine because, you know, when you're in the middle of pain, it's really hard to see clearly. And mm. if I had had this book when I was younger, I would have known that I wasn't alone in certain aspects of my life. I'm also uh, a person who was abused. Um, so I understand, I mean, I, I read a lot, bless you. I read a lot of this and I was like, through some of these things. Now I didn't live through half of what you went through. Um, but I, I had a very abusive upbringing by, you know, certain members of my family. And if I had had this book then, um, I might not have reacted the way I did. I might have been stronger in my objections. I might have been stronger in my boundaries, and boundaries is something you talk about in this book, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I really love is that what you what you put in all the chapters is a section called If I Had Known. And yep. to me, that speaks to like 20 minutes ago when I said something shitty to someone. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sometimes you have to get outside yourself to understand why you reacted a certain way or what you might have uh, let into your sphere to let a certain something happen that you didn't intend necessarily. I mean, the lessons in this book about self-awareness are just incredible and and like it's not just about it it's not just an autobiography this book is part autobiography it is part instructional it is part spellcraft it is part redemption it is recognition of what you do and maybe alternate ways to look at things this book is just uh, I wish I literally wish I had this as a teenager I wish I had it through my 20s and 30s, my 40s. Well, I'm glad I've got it now that I'm almost 60 because it's never too late to look at your past and see why you might have reacted to certain things and what you might have done differently. So, I mean, this book is just right. amazing. Right, and that's that's exactly why I wrote this, right? Because, I mean, this is the book that I wish I had 
when I was going through everything, mm-hmm. right? If I was if I was a five year old who could comprehend what this book contains, right? And I was able to read it. I would have yeah. known then that, you know, my parents' reaction to me telling them what's going on was not normal. Or, you know, if I had mm-hmm. it at, like, 13, I would have understood that the way I felt in the Catholic Church and coming out as a homosexual um, was, was typical across the board for a lot of people, and that losing your religion at these moments is not abnormal. And if I had known, like, as a homeless kid that I could get out of it, then, like, yeah. I might have gotten out of it earlier, you know? And that's why I include the if I had yeah. known, because I don't think that I can say, hey, I went through this, and here's all these lessons that can help you, without explaining that I'm aware that you don't know this now. I'm aware that you might not have known this right. then, right? Because I didn't. So yeah. how could I expect you to? And how can I expect the lessons that I teach to be valid unless I can point out that I am also flawed? And that maybe I just picked up on this a year ago when this thing was happening 10, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And it just, the book wouldn't sure. have worked if I didn't include the if I had known sections. Yeah. I think the if I had known sections are so enlightening, you know, and and really, I, I it's like someone, like somebody from the future was talking to me in the past. Does that make sense? Like, like yep. you already went through stuff that other kids now are going through because there seems to be this endless cycle of homophobe. I'm bisexual. Um, and there seems to be this endless cycle of, you know, you're young and you're not sure what you're supposed to think. You see certain images, but they don't necessarily apply to you. You see, you know, adults acting in a certain way. It doesn't necessarily apply to you. And then you find out there are members of your family who are like you, but they were treated badly because of the similarities between you and them. Uh, and it's it's really confusing, you know. Even even in my late teens, because I had a Pentecostal preacher for a father, um, you know, there was a lot about me that was not accepted, you know, a lot of, I mean, I've been practicing Wicca since I was 13. So, I mean, untrained, obviously, but, you know, still into magic and not into Christianity. So, you know, there was a lot that was hidden about me just from a religious standpoint, not to mention a sexual standpoint, which was not acceptable. So, I mean, and it's not necessarily about that either. I want folks to understand you don't have to be a gay, I mean, gay, straight, or bi, plus, 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 doesn't matter. Anybody can benefit from this book because we've all had something in this book happen to us. We've all gone through struggles. We've all questioned who we are. We've all been questioned about who we are. And it's just, I mean, you went through so much. I'm surprised you're brilliantly still intact. (laughs) Yeah, well, so that's the thing about trauma is that whether my trauma looks like your trauma or like somebody else's, they're all the same. Right, because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the traumas that we experience are like plentiful, 
and they don't look the same as anybody else's. And what I might experience as trauma, you might not, and vice versa. And so the mm-hmm. thing about the book is that maybe the traumas aren't similar to your traumas, but dealing with them is similar, you know, because, because how we come mm-hmm. out of our traumas and, and learn to deal with them or use, use magic to even help us deal with them is, is going to look similar. It might not look exactly the same, of course, because nothing ever does. We're all like, you know, little fingerprints. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we all kind of have to deal with trauma because we all experience it. So why not, like, take the time to see how somebody else dealt with their traumas, right? Because that could help you, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't look the same. Yeah. You know, you talk about, and I'm, I'm going to jump around a bit because there's, there's mm-hmm. so much in this book, and you talk about establishing boundaries. But boundaries of spirit, which I find fascinating because normally when people think about setting boundaries, they think about physical boundaries or emotional boundaries with other people. Um, but you, you do write about the need to deciding what your boundaries are. And I think a lot of folks, when they're first starting out on a pagan path, don't necessarily realize that they're supposed to be setting boundaries because they're so interested in having that experience that they open themselves up to whatever's just happening to come by. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, the chapter that I talk about boundaries in, I discuss um, some spiritual experiences that I had as a young child that were terrifying to me. Um, Like uh, I talk about how when I was five at nap time in New Orleans, the devil used to walk on my windowsill. And as bizarre as that sounds, even now to my logical brain, it was a very real Uh experience and it was terrifying. And when I stood up and I told it that it needed to go away and it couldn't bother me, it left. But it did so in pulling the blinds out of my, out of my window. And when Uh my mother ran upstairs and was like, what's going on? You know, um, she didn't believe me. I was, I was not believed about what was going on. But it was, it was absolutely real, and it was absolutely a thing that happened. And to this day, when I talk to her about it, she's like, I remember that. I'm like, well, I still wasn't lying. Like, why would I tell you that lie at 40 if, like, it happened when I was five, right. you know? And so, like, now she's a lot more open to the fact that it, it probably happened. But at the time, she definitely didn't believe me. But the thing that I, that I did at that time was I built a boundary. I set a boundary with the spiritual world, right? And then, like, that thing went away. But then I started seeing shadow people everywhere for, like, a significant portion of my childhood until I told them to go away. And so this is also setting boundaries. And while boundaries are super important in the mundane world, um, what I did as a child, unbeknownst to me at the time, was I set this boundary to the spiritual world where I was like, you are not allowed to interact with me in this way. Whether you are nefarious or, you know, completely friendly, I don't want this interaction. And so, like, mm-hmm. what I did was I built a wall that I don't even know how I could take down at this point, nor am I sure if I ever want to. But, like, I built, I built boundaries not knowing that that's what I was doing. So as I grew up into, you know, adulthood and, and came into my witchiness, having boundaries was just always second nature, 
you know, like I'm, I'm really good about not letting another yeah. person's energy affect me negatively. And, um, and I see myself as more of a filter than somebody who is influenced by someone's energy. I'm like, whatever, whatever you have to throw at me, I can make it good. I can feed it back out in a positive way because that's kind of like yeah. what my whole life built me to do, right? Like I experienced trauma mm-hmm. and I experienced all this bullshit and in the bullshit, I learned mm-hmm. how to like take these horrible things and make them good. And so it's just kind Which of like the nature amazing. of who I am. Right. Well, and I mean, yeah, like, I, I saw, go ahead. I find a lot of people don't have that ability I mean, I guess, I guess that's probably true. Like I couldn't really say like, because I don't know everyone. Right. But like, I know that it's, it's rare that I find other people who turn the sunshine or turn the rain into a a benefit. Right. Or, or find the silver lining in every storm cloud. But for me, like I see, I see people in my mundane life struggle with it all the time. And I'm like, but you're not, you know, living in Ethiopia and starving without arms and legs. You know what I mean? Like you're not in the worst situation. So let's make the best out of this. So like that actually gets to my final point in the book is gratitude. And it's all about Uh being thankful, even though. So like maybe I, you know, have lost my leg, but what is there to be grateful for in losing my leg? Right. Because like suddenly I can't walk right but maybe I get a super robotic right. leg and now I'm like a cyborg. Like how cool is that? You know? So it's like, if you take the time to like appreciate the, the bullshit, the, the horrible things in life, like actually appreciate them, then they're not so bad. And it's really hard to get to that place. Right. Because there were plenty of times where I was sure. us under a bridge and, and attempting suicide, but, through working with that, through, through being like, okay, well, this is what I have to work with and I've got to figure out how to work with it because I haven't completed my mission yet on this planet. Um, it, it taught me to find all of the good and all of the bad. Yeah. And I'm, you know, your ability to have that kind of gratitude in the face of all this adversity is fascinating to me because as I said earlier, it's really hard sometimes to find the way out when you're in that kind of pain, the kind of pain that it takes to want to end your own life. For example, I would think right. it's you're, you, you're, you're so wrapped up in the anguish that is making you have these thoughts to begin with. It would be very difficult. That's why when, you know, because I, I have friends who suffer from severe depression And it's like, I know better than to say, oh, you know, go outside, get some sunshine. It's not, that's not what it's about. You know, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's hormonal, chemical imbalance. It's all kinds of things that that affect Mm -hmm. how we relate to ourselves in the world. And, you know, just so full of hope. And in spite of, you know, a lot of, because I know the book sounds, somewhat dark to folks, but it's so beautiful because everything you've experienced, you talk about some form of a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's, it's wonderful because there's, you show that there's a way through pretty much everything you've ever been through. 
And that right. must have so been very interesting to, to think about. Right. So here's the thing about that is, um, like, I work with a very specific deity, Hecate. And the yep. most amazing thing about Hecate is that she's multifaceted, right? She's, she's multifarious. She's got yep. many, many names and many, many um, key points that, that she works with you through. And one of those is the torchbearer. So I, I just have, when I look back at everything that I went through, I went through these really dark underworld times, which is an epithet for, you know, Hecate. She's like a goddess of the underworld. And then, like, I found the light at the end of the tunnel, as if guided there by the torches at the end of the tunnel, right? And so that, again, was Hecate. And then, like, she's the guide, so I was guided there. And I go through all of these, like, kind of changes and and things and the whole time like when I look at my life now when I'm doing my daily devotions I always thank Hecate for being there even before I knew her name because when I look at uh-huh. my life that's what it was is that she was there she was she was present even though I didn't know and and helping me get to the point where I am now and so much of this book was written in connection to the spirit and the source and Hecate, because she is my connection to all of that. And like every time I sat down, every time I sit down to write in general or work on my book, I I light um, a road opening candle. And sometimes it's just a regular candle. And sometimes it's like something I got at a witchy store that says it's a road opener, whatever. You know, I I prefer the seven day tall candles now because they last a long time. But like really the act of lighting that is just, lighting that, that light at the end of the tunnel so I can help find my way there. And I call out that and I ask for the guidance to get to that point. And so this is just one of those ways that is still present in my life and working with me. And I, I find think, that a lot of, you know, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Please keep going. I was going to say, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think that you know, when when we're talking about people dealing with depression or suicidal tendencies or suicidal thoughts, like I was eight years old the first time I tried to kill myself. And luckily my sister caught me. And it was probably not really a real attempt, right? Not as real as some of the other attempts that I discussed in the book. And the book does discuss several of right. several suicide attempts. But at the end of the day, the mm-hmm. point is, is that like I, I was at a crossroad at these moments. And I I could have chosen one path, but I chose another. And that other path was to keep living. And every time I chose that path to keep living, I had breakthroughs. So, like, that's not really Mm -hmm. just a lesson about not committing suicide or suicide prevention. It's about, it's a lesson about, like, perseverance, right? Because it doesn't have to be that you're contemplating suicide. It could be that you're contemplating giving up on anything. Maybe you have a career goal and you're working towards something and everything's looking like shit and you're like, whatever, I'm going to move back home. Well, like, what happens if you don't? What happens if you just stay where you're at and keep pushing through? Is that breakthrough going to happen? Or is the right path going to be to move home? Is that where the breakthrough is? We never know. But it's very likely that whatever choice you make, a breakthrough is available. And at the end of the day, not to not to advocate for suicide. I would never, never advocate for suicide. But maybe that is that breakthrough. And I would hate to say that. I would hate to think that that's the case for anyone because I don't ever want anyone to, right. to feel that way and then go through with it. But, like, either road you choose, there's a breakthrough. And that breakthrough might not be a good one. 
It might not be great for everybody else who's going to experience it after you're gone. And it, it might not even be great for you. I, I couldn't say. You right. Know? But, like, I think that, I think that if you hold on to the fact that perseverance provides the breakthrough and you, and you aim yeah. to persevere through it, that you're going to find a breakthrough. And it might not be exactly what you thought, but the help is always there. And that is something that I talk about in the book a lot. Because every time I had a problem, yeah. there were witches who were there to provide solutions. Yeah. I love that about it, too, because I noticed you write a lot about the people who were there to kind of help you and some of the spells that were cast before you kind of knew what they were necessarily. I mean, like you knew, um, you know, that you were doing a job spell with someone and then, you know, things would happen. And here's the thing. Every decision leads to more decisions. So when you are feeling like you're trapped, um, there are decisions to be made even when you're trapped. Do I try to get help? Do I try to figure this out myself? Do I go and find someone who's more knowledgeable than I am? I mean, you know, you obviously made certain choices and certain people were put in your path for a reason. Obviously, you could, like, be on my show and talk about this book. Um, Good choice. (laughs) Anyway... But you know what I'm saying? But every choice leads to another choice. Every decision leads to another decision. Even the idea of maybe ending your life leads you to think about, well, what are the ramifications if I do this? You know, who am I going to hurt by this action? Everything leads to more examination. So I understand what you're saying about, you know, even that being something that's a breakthrough, and it can be. Everything is a breakthrough or it can lead to a breakthrough. And I think it's really brilliant to point that out. Even when you're at the lowest point, just considering what would happen as a result of maybe thinking about taking an action can lead you to a solution. Right. Right. I mean, like, absolutely. I think that um, there's always a solution. And sometimes even the solution doesn't look great, right? Because, I mean, let's not paint this pretty picture for everybody because that's not how life works. It's messy. And in our messy lives, even when we're like, all right, well, this is the better of the two options, it might not be the best. It might not be the greatest, but it is the better of the two options. Right. I mean, like, like, if you think about it. that other things – yeah, because that's not to say that other things down the road, because of the action that may not be what you consider the best one, the better one might come as a result of taking at least the lesser of two bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it, I mean, I have this really morbid, um, like, uh, example that I'm not going to use, but I, it just keeps running through my head. But yeah, exactly. Like sometimes it might not be, it might not even be the best solution, but it's the only other solution there is. Right. So you, uh-huh. you take it. Oh, sure. I mean, it's like having to choose between, you know, having no money and taking a shit job. Sometimes you have right. to take the shit job 
get the experience to get to a better job. I mean, I've done that in my life. It's like I don't want to do – like at one point I worked for an animal hospital, and I started off as uh, – I started off walking dogs in the kennel, and it was a crap job. I hated this job so much. But I did it well enough and had a good enough attitude about it that I became a greeter at the front desk, so I didn't have to walk dogs anymore. I mean, even bad decisions can lead to better decisions or better choices. Right. And also, bad decisions make great stories. (laughs) Yeah, they they do. (laughs) Having made several myself, I have to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, who Although has mine are Everybody does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> mine are usually relationship-driven. Yeah, I, I, I have made some really bad choices, and I've, I've always said if I made, if I was as um, picky about men as I, as I am about women, my life would have been completely different. But <laughs> yeah, so that's where my decisions go bad. Um, but, you know, you talk about other things in the book, too, like listening for messages. And one of the things that I always thought was something goofy about me, you actually mention, um, because I always, whenever I have the radio on, I'm listening for mess. like is the music talking to me, literally. Oh, yeah. And I love the fact that you mention it because <laughs> I always felt really silly about it. And I, I love the fact that it's not just me. <laughs> well, so there you go. That's like the case in point, right? Like the book has done its job for you also because now you're like, oh, I'm not alone. This isn't, I, this is not an yeah. isolated thing that I'm doing and I'm not silly. And at the end of the day, like that's part of um, Claire audience. And it's like, maybe you're yeah. hearing the message that you need to hear and the words might not even be like, do you ever listen to a song and like you hear the words, but like you're not hearing the words that they're actually saying. And you find out years later that that's not what they were saying in the song. So like sometimes even that's part of it, right? Because it's like, I don't have a good example, but like that's how it works. And so like constantly I'll be driving and I'm like, I just need a message right now. So I'm going to turn on the regular radio and whatever's on right here right now is what I need to know. And it always, it it could be like an Ariana Grande song or, you know, a tool song. Like it could be anything. And it, it just resonates with the moment. And then sometimes the next three songs feed into that and it helps. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is a great way to divinate in an unorthodox kind of way. You know, and it's so funny because it's like, it's. I mean, obviously, I'm a grown adult. I do stuff because I do it. But when somebody else kind of confirms or it, it's almost like getting permission to be yeah. okay with the stuff you think is weird about yourself because yeah. I – I always, you know, like, just because I do that and then I tell myself I'm being ridiculous, you know, no, there's, they're not playing this song as a secret message to you, dum-dum, you know, or I'll say something like that to try to snap myself out of it. And what you're saying is, no, don't snap yourself out of it. Use it. Right, because here's the thing. 
like the mundane world is the mundane world. It's doing what it's doing regardless, right? But, yeah. like, when you tune yeah. in to the source, to the spirit, and you're like, hey, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm present, and then you are led to turn on the radio or listen to that podcast that's three years old, you know what I mean? Like, and then it has mm-hmm. the message that yeah. you need. Like, sure, it wasn't recorded just for you. Sure, the, the song didn't play just for you. But the fact that you tuned in to the source, to the, to the spirit, and then you tuned into that message and received it, yep. that is for you. Absolutely it is for you. Yeah. And it, it might be for other people, too, at different times. Yeah. Sure. And, and it could be the same exact message for someone else in another part of the country or the world listening to the same song at that moment. Maybe we all just needed a certain message at a certain time. And it's not just you, it's other people who also need that message. So that's kind of cool. But you don't think about that right. in the mundane moment when you're driving to work and just trying to get to where you're going and, you know, you're pissed off because your boss said such and such to you or whatever it is, and you're worried about how your day's going, and then you get, like, a song like Manic Monday, for example. It's an old song, so you might not know it. but it's you know, I love the bangles. Okay, yay. <laughs> okay, yay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, something might just, you know, make you feel better. It's not just you going through the struggle every day. And I think when people realize it's not just them, there's so much comfort that comes with that thought that it actually can relax you into maybe having a better day literally. You know, it doesn't always look right. that way. No, not necessarily, but it can. I mean, commonality and being able to relate to each other, especially in a time where everything's about being on the computer, everything's about being on the phone, and we're not face-to-face like we were when you were a little boy <laughs> Yeah. before everything was digitized. You know what I mean? It's We're so separated now by space and pandemic and emotion a lot of the time, anything that brings us back to the commonality of our humanity has to be beneficial. I think it is. You know? Finny, I have lost him. Hey, Finny, call back in, please. I I hope you guys are enjoying... Uh, the conversation. I, I do have to tell you, this book is amazing, and I highly, highly recommend it. But there is my guest again. Um, I'm so sorry. But what I was saying, I, I have no idea what happened. Oh no, no, no! It's it's fine. It's fine. No problem. You're back. Um, but what I was saying was, you know, anything that that helps us relate to each other in a time where we're so separated has to be good, right? Right. Absolutely. I think that um, it like. You know, we live in the world, like you were saying, that's so digitized now. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you're right. When I was a boy, it wasn't like that. Like, we didn't have cell phones when I was a kid. And, I mean, like, right. it, it wasn't the way it was now. And I grew up into seeing this all happen because I'm in that weird, like, kind of between and kind of between millennial generation. And um, I was born in right. 1981. So, like, I, I kind of had this... Um, dualistic viewpoint on everything 
And the thing is, is that like, we're so disconnected because of our like phones and computers and everything. But at the same time, we're so connected. We are more connected than we ever were before because it's nothing for me to talk to my friends in Europe. Right. Like, and it doesn't even cost like it would have back in the nineties. And, and just the, the way that things have changed when we embrace them, we're able to find our commonalities even better. So like finding connection in the disconnection is, I think, the new era. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When the pandemic hit, I was able to go to Circle in New York. I'm in North Carolina. So it was a great benefit for me to be able to um, get online and join with people, you know, who I have commonality with. Uh, you know, and like things like Llewellyn Con is coming up, and you know, you just did something online with uh, some other authors, and I mean, we're we are able to reach each other, but it's I think it's more important more than ever because we're still separated by the digitization of the world, you know, where we're not necessarily in each other's presence. It's a it, for me, it's a different interaction being in your presence and merely seeing you on a screen. It's wonderful. They both have different benefits and different drawbacks. But I think we need, in order to keep our humanity alive, we have to continue to nurture uh, our commonality. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do agree, actually. I I fully agree. Um, Like, I am very much a people person, um, and I really love Mm -hmm. to interact with people. So things like LuellaCon is amazing. Like I, I'm actually um, one of the one of the witches in LuellaCon, um, and mm-hmm. I have like a 30 minute segment where I get to do a whole thing. And I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. But like, how much greater would it be if I could do it in person? You know what I mean? Like I would love that. But the fact Absolutely. that I can mm-hmm. do it because it's digital is a thing. Because honestly, like. My son graduates next weekend, and it literally is oh, happening wow. the same day that I'm presenting at LuellaCon. So I can step away for 30 minutes, do LuellaCon, yep. be seen, be present yep. for that, and then go right back into my everyday life also. So, like, I think that embracing the benefits along with the hindrances are also valid. Oh, Sure. I totally agree. Oh, I, okay. So we've got like 15 minutes left, and I have to talk about okay. this because okay. I saw this, and it, it made me smile so much. You talk about tarot a good bit in the book. In a, mm-hmm. Oh, and let me also mention there are spells in the book. There's all kinds of great information, great ideas of things to do. Journaling prompts are in the book. I mean – Things to to try are in the book. The whole if I had known parts, I'm telling you, you'll all be able to relate to them. But the thing I loved that really set me off in the book later on in the story was buy your own tarot deck (laughs) because all my life I had been told you don't buy your own tarot deck. And here's what's funny for me. As many tarot decks as have been given to me, 
the decks that actually work for me are the ones I bought. Right. Right. I think that, like, that that actually is a bigger kind of thing that um, I would want to discuss is that, like, yeah, you should buy your own tarot deck. Um, and if somebody gives you a tarot deck, that's great, too. But don't, like, sit around and wait for the universe to give you something, right? Put in the work and, and get the job done. Uh-huh. But also, like, right. go out and do it. Um, but at the same time, like, just, that's a thing. Like, people seem to think that you need to be given your tarot deck. And I don't know why that is. I have heard this also. I've heard a lot of rules yeah. in the witchcraft world. And every one of them, I'm like, yeah. you're fucking stupid. Like, why would I, why would I follow that rule? <laughs> like, like, why are you telling me that there's a rule to magic? Like, I think that there is validity in, you know, not trying to turn an apple into an orange, right? But there right. is right. no validity in saying there's only one type of apple. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, we know that there's Absolutely. several different species. And and how can you yep. say, oh, the only way to get a tarot deck is if it's given to you? Fuck, no, it's not. You can make your own tarot deck. Like, why not? Absolutely. Like, it's not, it's the Absolutely. art on the tarot is not, is not what is valid. It's your connection to the cards. It's your connection to the spirit mm-hmm. that allows you to divinate what's on the cards. And if somebody gives me a tarot deck that, is like, I don't know, like all cats, right? I'm not a cat lover. Uh-huh. Cats are fine. I would never be mean right. to a cat, but I don't want to own one. I certainly don't want to own a tarot deck with right. cats on it. You know, and so like, how am I going to connect to that? But if I go out and buy buy my own like tattoo tarot deck, that speaks to yep. me. Or like the Salvador Dali tarot deck or the Starman tarot deck. Like these are the kind of tarot decks that I'm like, yes, like I, I read this, I see uh-huh. it, like I get the message out of this. And I have bought tarot decks that don't yeah. work for me also. Um, and that's be fine too. too. Yeah. Because then I have the opportunity to say, hey, I think maybe you would like this deck and let me give this to you. And so it's fine to like take a deck if somebody gives it to you. And it's totally cool to give a deck to people. But like it doesn't have to be that way. That's not the only way it works. Right. Right. And it's some, like I said, it's something that I had always been told, like, no joke, since I was 17 years old, I was told, mm-hmm. oh, you don't ever buy your own tarot deck. And 17 years old, um, that's over 40 years ago for me. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's something that gets through mythologically and it's really not factual. And I, I just want to encourage folks because it's the first time I ever saw anybody explicitly say, do it yourself. <laughs> just do it yourself. Um, right. And I well, and I mean, that's kind of whole... a message throughout the book, too. Yes, it is. The whole do it and yourself. And that's part of yeah. why the book is so It is. It's why it's brilliant because you are about – You know, it's really about gratitude. It's really about looking for messages and not being afraid to take them where they come from um, and really to not discount your feelings and what you're hearing or feeling from spirit. And I think that's brilliant. And this book is, I I think this book is going to help a lot of people. I really do. And it 
sure made me feel good and better about a lot of things that, you know, I had been under a lot of misconceptions for several years. You know, I'm Gardnerian. A lot of people are like, well, we don't deal with Gardnerians. And it's like, I'm a modern Gardnerian. How, how's that? You know, I don't subscribe to certain exclusivity tenets that Gardnerianism uh was meant, you know, was allegedly or was originally uh, taught as. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think the mysteries are all that mysterious. Um, right. You know, you practice think, witchcraft think, and that's what you do. I think that one of the really important things that I think one of my goals in just being a public witch is that there's no wrong way to witch, at all. And mm-hmm. you should go out mm-hmm. and make all the fucking mistakes that you can because those mistakes are what build you. And so like, yes, like learn rules, understand rules and then break the shit out of them because nobody gets to tell you it. how to do your magic. Nobody gets to tell you if yep. you are or aren't a witch. Nobody gets to tell you whether you're valid. That's not a thing. Karen right. from the coven can, you know, cast her circles and use the um, LPR all she wants, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? right? And I mean, like, it's not necessary if it's not necessary for you. And that's the whole thing is, like, if you want to be Gardenarian, if that's the path that works for you, that's fucking awesome. Go out and do it. I support you in that choice. It's not the choice I want to make for myself, but, like, I'm still learning every day, and so should you. So should everybody. Like, we should never be so certain that we know everything that we would stop and tell somebody else how to do something. I see shit all the time on social media where people are like, hey, can you read my cards for me? This is my spread. And I want to say, well, you should read those yourself. But then I'm like, but that's not where they're at. And so who am I to tell them what they should or should not do? That's bullshit. And I would be Mm -hmm. pissed if somebody said that to me. Because it's not okay. Like, these people want to, like, all, all over the witchcraft community, people want to set these rules. And it's not exactly gatekeeping, yeah. right? But it's not exactly not gatekeeping right. either. Like, don't tell me what I have right. to do on a, on a moon, right? Like, if I'm going to work with an eclipse and I understand the yeah. energy of the eclipse and, like, what I'm doing with my yeah. magic, then it is totally okay for me to work within Eclipse. Just because all these people in the witch world are like, no, don't do that, I don't have to listen to them because I understand the rules. I took the time to understand your rules, to listen to what you had to say. I took that into account, but I know the magic that I'm making. I know what my goal is. I know what I'm after, and I can turn anything into working for me. So, like, if I want to give something right. up and, like, it's not a waning moon, that doesn't mean I can't use the waxy moon to do it. I can just change my wording and my intention to fit. That's how magic works. Of course. And yeah. the, the reasoning for it and then adapt it appropriately. And that is what this book is about, is adapting to your environment, to your, to your lot in life and making it work for you. Oh, my gosh. So, so right on. Because if we had to sit and wait for a quote-unquote correct moon phase 
to get anything done, nothing would fucking get done. That is so right. true. I mean, if it if the new moon has just passed and I'm trying to banish something, I can do it with different wording when the moon is waxing. I do not have to wait for the moon, the moon to be waning. Oh, my goodness, so true. And I think people right. lose sight of that a great deal. Um, you can do the magic you need to do if you know how to do it successfully for yourself and you understand your own intentions. It's kind of like when I make pasta sauce. Everybody has their own recipe, but once you understand that it takes certain basics like tomatoes, you can go and do your own thing on top of that. It's so true. Right, right. Like my mom adds sugar to her pasta gravy, and I'm like, what? Like, why did you do uh-huh. that? But she's like, no, it's perfect. And I'm like, okay, I would never do that. But, like, I'm still going to use, like, well, I would use regular so she would murder me. But, I mean, whatever. Like, I would who cares? You. It's my way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, right. <laughs> that's how it works, right? Like, my mom's old school Italian. I'm yeah. not. So I'm, like, you right, know, a little right. mutt. So it doesn't matter to me as much as it does to her. And she never taught me how to do it. So whatever. See, I would teach you. See, here's the thing. My kids know how my my sons are adults, but they know how to make my sauce because they're like, well, mom, you make the best sauce. I'm like, "Uh, thank you very much. And (laughs) you're damn right I do. So, but yeah, but in order to know how to even make sauce, you have to know that there are certain ingredients that are standard. Now, what, that sounds like a bird. Um, anything that you add to it is your own your own decision, and that's how you make your magic. Exactly. So I thought it was exactly. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I'm going to have to come up to North Carolina okay, so and find out how your sauce tastes. Hell yeah. Come on. Bring the whole family. Bring your husband. Bring the boys. Let's do this thing. <laughs> we're not that far. Like we're right on the we border are... of North Carolina. Asheville is like an hour from me. I'm not in Asheville. I am in Charlotte. I'm in the city. Oh, I'm that's even closer. Like yeah, yeah. Well, so actually, yeah. Charlotte is further than Asheville is for me. I live in like the Blue Ridge, oh. like mountains in um, South oh, Carolina. Okay. Yeah. But like, yeah, uh, like okay. so Asheville well, is just a little closer. But we go to Charlotte all the time. In fact, my favorite store, my favorite witchcraft store in all of the areas in Charlotte. Are you going to plug it or no? Yeah, like it's um, it's Curio Craft and Curiosities, I think is the name. Conjure. It's in Noda. And Conjure. Yeah, Conjure. Yes. Curio Craft live, and Conjure, I that's live, right. I live near there. I live uh, five minutes I live from there. for Actually, the owner. Three minutes. I am. Yeah. I'm like Gina. I, I met I her name yeah Gina is Gina. I just I love her, mm-hmm. I love her and she yep. has the best fucking energy and so like Doesn't if your listeners yeah. live in Charlotte and they haven't been there they ought to go. Yeah, she is beautiful and smart and just amazing, and the shop is I fantastic. Agree. So next it's time you shop. come for a trip, we will we will we will meet you there. That would be okay. awesome, and then you'll come back to the house, and, and I'll make sauce. But Perfect. in the few minutes we have left, because we only have a few minutes left, oh, my gosh, um, 
please tell folks where they can find you, see you, get your book, give everybody the information. Okay, so my name is Vincent Higabotham, um, and you can find me. The best way to find me is on Instagram at Vincent underscore Higginbotham. My last name is hard for some people, so it's H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M. And my everything is on Instagram. I have a link tree that will take you to my Etsy shop, and you can buy a book directly from me, and I'll sign it before I send it to you. You can go to Llewellyn and buy a book at Llewellyn. You can buy your book on Amazon. I have a link to the Amazon um, page with the book. I um, am speaking at LlewellyCon, so definitely attend that because it's free. I um, run a book club with the Witch With Books, um, part of the Witch With Me community. You should definitely go join their mm-hmm. Instagram account also because they're fantastic. Um, the founders, Meg and Louisa, are all-encompassing, all-inclusive. Like, they accept everyone, and I'm like putting all my gears into working with them all the time. So um, I highly suggest that. Cool. You can find me there at Witch With Books. Um, I run the Witch With Books Club. We do that once a month. And uh, right now we're reading Intuitive Witchcraft and Life Ritualized. And the authors give us exclusive content that you can only find in the book club. So joining the book club is super smart. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and plug that we're doing Jason Menke and Mortellus' book next month, which is a really big deal. We're also doing this amazing um, author. She's planned uh, to do Mandy M. She wrote this great book, Witchcraft Therapy. I highly suggest getting all of these books uh-huh. and joining the book club. Um, but get my book too and um, follow me on Instagram Uh because that's the best way to know everything that I'm doing. I think I got it all That's awesome. Yeah, that was great. You did a great job. Okay. Vincent, thank you so much for spending this time with me. This has been such a great hour, and I hope I can get you to come back on, especially with your next book because I'm assuming there's going to be one. Oh, yeah, I'm working on it right Wonderful. now. Like, revisions on it. So, um, yeah, I'll come on anytime you want. I'm always happy to do it. Oh, my gosh. I'm so appreciative. Everybody, the book is How Witchcraft Saved My Life, Practical Advice for Transformative Magic. The author is Vincent Higginbotham. It's a brilliant book. Seriously, if you have young folks in your life who are getting into the craft or even not getting into the craft and are just, you know, needing some help and some understanding for anybody in your life. I'm telling you, this book has, has done amazing stuff for me, and I know it will for you too. Vinny, thank you again. Have a wonderful weekend. Congratulations on the graduation, and um, I hope to talk to you soon. And check out Llewellyn Con. It's coming up in a week, I believe, and it goes for a number yes. of days, and Vinny's going to be one of the speakers. It's going to be great. All right, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'll be back on Friday. Have a good one, y'all. Thank you. Bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.